0: From the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, this is Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. Injured in Georgia? Make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. Injury Insider is presented by Status Home Design, your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs.
1: Hello and welcome to Injury Insider with Derek Hayes on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting live from the Subaru of the Gwinnett Studio in the Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. This show will answer legal questions and debunk personal injury myths with insight and expertise. For nearly 25 years, Derek Hayes has exclusively represented injured parties in Georgia. Now he'd like to put that knowledge to work for you. My name is Lita Brooks, and it's my pleasure
0: to introduce the star of the show, Derek Hayes. Good afternoon, Derek. Good afternoon. I like the star of the show. I need a a parking space in the front of the building that says star of the show. No,
1: you're not getting that. I'm changing that. I'm changing my intro for the next show. I like that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. Wait. Before we begin, a quick reminder that Injury Insider is brought to you by Status Home Design, your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs, and the new Status Market and Design, your online marketplace for all things for your home. Also brought to you by the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes, injured in Georgia. Make the right call to the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes at (laughs) 404-777-HURT. Welcome back to the studio.
0: Well, welcome back. It's it's great to be here
1: again. We took a little pause on the injury insider. We needed to. Yes,
0: we because did. you
1: are a very busy man.
0: Yeah, it was kind of out of necessity. Works picked up tremendously. I know the, the pandemic is still affecting the court system and the courts have been closed for quite some time and it's starting to open back up and doing what I do with personal injury work, the cases are not expected to go back to trial to potentially January or February of 2022. Wow. So the courtrooms are not completely opened yet, at least not for what we do. They're still doing some criminal cases, uh, class A felonies, the more severe felonies, and those kind of things are going to trial, but not much of anything else. The courts were completely shut down for 122 days. And so basically our state Supreme Court here in Georgia has added 122 days to the statute of limitations on all cases. So if your case was expected to expire, uh, the statute pass, say on January 1, then you've had 122 days added to that. So it extends the time between being able to settle the case or having to file suit sure. to to protect your client's rights.
1: Seems necessary. Yeah, it, it is because
0: when the courts closed, there was not much at all we could do. I mean, very little could be done. Um, so they had to make some sort of concession and figure out a way to... Uh, account for the fact that you know nobody was able to work. So
1: clarify this: they're still closed, or there's just such a backlog?
0: Well, they're still closed as far as trials for what I do. Courts are slowly opening back up, and virtually every other week or so, you'll get a memo about something new they're doing. Like hearings have not started yet um, in in personal injury trials. That's likely going to pick up sometime soon. They may do the hearings by Zoom. We're already doing depositions by Zoom. We're doing mediations by Zoom. So there may eventually be some hearings. Um, you know, they, they could very well have started, but I have yet personally to have one scheduled. Uh, you know, everybody is going to be on a hearing calendar at some point. It's just if they have started, I have not received notice of any Zoom hearing yet.
1: Sure. Um, I was just clarifying because we here we are here in the state of Georgia, and I was under the impression that our governor had lifted. Uh, much of the mandates. So I thought that would have opened the courts back up.
0: There are mandates regarding mask and some of the things from from that standpoint, even social distancing. But the real dilemma is a jury assembly room on a Monday morning, a week of jury duty could have anywhere from 500 to 600 people in a room that is standing room only. And that's in most metro Atlanta counties. So you're sitting elbow to elbow in chairs. And then those that don't have a chair, are lining the walls again elbow to elbow with no room between so there's no real way to socially distance the six feet they tell you if you do go in for jury selection you're going to be sitting uh, in the benches in the the the, uh, courtroom and again you're going to be sitting right next to everybody so there's no way to, to socially distance if you get picked for a jury you're sitting in a jury box with 12 chairs if you go to deliberate you're in a conference room with a conference room table with 12 chairs and Mm -hmm. one bathroom. So they've had to figure out ways to effectively uh, open the courts back up. And and they're doing trials now in in some auditorium size rooms at the courthouse here in in Gwinnett County, where we are.
1: Uh, That was kind of what was coming to mind as you were saying that they should just use the entire courtroom instead of just a jury box. Don't let People don't let spectators in, or you know, just let the jury have the entire courtroom.
0: Yeah, and and as I said, they're using auditoriums. There's one specific room at the Gwinnett County Courthouse that's used for county commission meetings, school board meetings. It's like you would picture an auditorium in a high school, and they're actually having trials now in in those because of the fact there needs to be the space to be able to have the jurors sit and socially distance, and you're wearing masks, and uh, I. I've not had to go for a trial yet again because personal injury not started. But my understanding is, even as attorneys, um, depending on the judge, you may have to wear your mask during your opening statement, during your closing mm, argument. That
1: would be tough. I it struggle would be very tough, mask, personally. Well, yeah. Uh,
0: and, yeah. And being an attorney, you have to be a very effective communicator. And that's body language, that's voice inflection. That's the word usage, all those things that, that are essential to communicate on behalf of your client. And sometimes when you you have to wear a mask, you can't do those same things. Oh, goodness.
1: Well, we did take a pause and we, we talked about that. But did you enjoy your break? Yeah. Yeah, yes. I know you're here. Yes. You're the injury insider. We're going to jump right into the meat and potatoes. But these are your listeners. Right, you right, know, right. We can
0: talk about you for a minute. And work has been... Tremendously busy, which is a blessing. It's it's good. Uh, I love doing what I do, and that's kind of why I do uh, personal injury work. Uh, There are litigation demands that are starting to kick back in. Uh, Depositions, I mentioned that. Discovery, which is where you exchange written questions back and forth between both sides, and Zoom work. We're doing the Zoom mediations. I've got one coming up in a couple of weeks. On a nursing home case i've got zoom depositions next week um so all that is now starting to pick up which there was a need to take a brief pause to to kind of get reset for this um tidal wave is kind of what we're referring to it as a tidal wave of of litigation now with courts getting close to opening back up completely
1: I've seen uh, on a personal note, you know. Obviously, you and I are together. I've seen you work uh, basically round the clock. I mean, you're usually right. you'll come home just long enough to eat, and then you're back, back at, at work. Back at work till the what Sunday night? Well, it's not two in physically. the morning. No, right. But but in files and reading. Yeah, and, sitting and at the table doing, at home. You know and, all and the uh, you know you'll just keep saying there's just so much. There's just so much. Yeah, and so, again,
0: that's it's a good thing. And absolutely. Uh, you know, there was a pause, and I'm going to talk a little more about this. Uh, in the show in a little bit, but there was a pause even in insurance companies and handling claims and settling claims. Uh, And some of that's starting to pick back up again, which is great. It's terrific, especially for our clients. But it does mean that uh, it's been a backlog of work where nothing was happening. Even as hard as we as attorneys would try to push things along, there's still roadblocks with COVID. And now, thankfully, some of those roadblocks are being lifted. Now, there are other states that are completely shut down still that are not seeing any progress even in you know there are some criminal trials they have to have because under our constitution you're entitled to a speedy trial if you're accused of a crime but there are are very uh, few things that are happening in many other states mm-hmm. at all
1: well, all right even though we paused this show the injury insider for a short period of time and our listeners may not know that again when you know podcasts live forever so if they're listening to these in any kind of succession they may say well that i don't know what they're meaning and that's okay all right, right? there right. we we put these out there and put these on all the social media platforms we just personally had to take a pause again because of the workload that uh, derek was explaining uh, but i understand that your website and facebook page have still been very active from the prior shows talk about that
0: yes uh you mentioned the, the- podcast still living forever out there uh you know it's crazy the numbers are still going up from listeners and and uh you can see that even though we're not i have not for a couple of months now been recording new episodes the numbers of those that have been out there for some time are still going up so yes people are still downloading the podcast listening to prior episodes If you have an issue with uh, your insurance and you're trying to decide what coverages to get, well, go back to listen to the podcast about insurance coverage and the definitions of things from liability to UM, UIM, and you'll learn. And I'm sure a lot of folks have because I've heard from them that, well, I had a question about the uh, slip and fall claims, and I went back and listened, and now I understand a lot better. Uh, But I've had comments that have come to me through my website, through my Facebook page about the podcast. Uh, also, too, I've had suggestions from a lot of people about new topics to discuss that we haven't covered. Uh, That's some, cool. Some of those have actually come from attorneys, which is really, really? interesting. Yeah. So when an attorney is re- referencing uh, their own case that they've got and would like for me to talk a little bit about an issue, you're thinking, wait, am I doing this so they can figure out what they need to do next? Or is there just truly an interest in that topic? But I also have clients and, and even listeners that have submitted ideas, which are terrific ideas for for new shows. And I've also talked to a couple of folks about coming as guests for some new shows. Um, And I'm not going to go too far into that now, but uh, really good guests that can add a tremendous amount of of information to what we've talked about.
1: Well, I know you very well, and I bet you have a lot to talk about today. Where do you want to start? What's today's show?
0: Yes, I do. And I mentioned it just a minute ago, all the comments from listeners. And one listener in in particular that the question they posed really kind of led me down a path to to say, well, I need to do an entire show about that. okay? And so it inspired me to to dedicate this show to that uh, about car insurance in general, um, you know things about how rates have almost doubled during the pandemic in some areas, and really car insurance rates in general. the The question itself is very simple, but the answer isn't. Uh, the question is, why is Georgia car insurance so expensive? Now, I'm going to take the word Georgia out of that, and I'm going to plug in virtually every other state because How nationally, about just
1: take it out. Why is car insurance well, so I, expensive?
0: I do want to answer their question specifically okay. about Georgia, but understand that the majority of the things I'm going to say it's not limited to Georgia. So you could plug in any other state: Texas, California, Florida. Uh, you know Alabama, Mississippi, any state you want to you can plug in there, but I do want to address their question about Georgia first. So to start about Georgia and why insurance rates are so expensive, it's expensive because this state has some of the most accident prone highways in the entire country. Georgia does Wow not yeah, only that I, Wow yeah, next, and this is really one of the ones that kind of goes hand in hand with that. Georgia law, the the law here in Georgia prevents our insurance um, companies, uh, or gives them basically the right, I kind of got sidetracked, it gives insurance companies the right to raise premiums without the prior approval of the insurance commissioner's office. In other states, besides Georgia, they have to go to the insurance commissioner's office and justify the increase in rates. We've had natural disasters. We've paid out X number of billions of dollars in claims. It's essential now for us to raise rates to maintain our ability to work as a company, not go bankrupt. They have to justify it. In Georgia, they don't have to. Our insurance commissioner does not have the final say-so as to whether or not rates will go up. So they can basically raise them arbitrarily. So naturally, that's kind of what happens. Rates can skyrocket at any time, really, for no justification at all. Now, after the fact, when rates go up, you'll see uh, a news reporter from one of the local channels go and talk to the insurance commissioner and uh, our current insurance commissioner or any other one would say, well, we're looking into that. We're going to find out more. But the reality is they don't have the right to regulate it here in Georgia. So it's true in other states, not many, but that is Georgia specific. I didn't
1: realize that part about not regulating the insurance companies. That's new information for me. Uh, but I completely agree that people in Georgia do not know how to drive. No, they I was don't. really no, When you don't. said that I was like, "Oh my god, yes, that makes perfect sense to me because I live here in Georgia and, and I see it." I have to take an interstate to work and I see a wreck almost every day. Does that entity keep track? Does any entity keep track of how many fatality wrecks occur each year?
0: Yes. Um, you know, fatality wrecks, it can't get worse than that. That's the reality of it. Um, when somebody's lost their life, that is the most tragic car wreck claim that you can have. And yes, there are um, statistics that, that kind of bear that out as far as the states are concerned. So the top five states with the most fatal car wrecks are number one, Texas. And this is based on 2020. In 2020, Texas had 3,305 fatalities in car wrecks. That's a lot. 3,300. Next is California, not far behind at 3,259 fat- fatal car wrecks or fatalities in car wrecks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida was third with 2,915. And then it's Georgia, number four, number four overall with 1,407 fatal car wrecks.
1: That's half from Florida.
0: Yes, that's
1: 1,500 less,
0: but it's than also the next number one. four overall, right? Number five overall is North Carolina with 1,321. Now, let's talk about another statistic real quick about that. So if you look in population states based on their population, naturally, Texas, California, Florida, you would picture one, two and three in some order as, as population. So the real, real order is California is the most populated state in our country. Second is Texas. So California is number two in fatal car wrecks. Texas is number one. Florida is the third most populated state in in the U.S. So it's number three on the list of fatal car wrecks. But Georgia is number nine in population. But yet it's number four overall in fatal car wrecks. Well, what is it with the roads here? Well, we'll go back to what we said earlier. Georgia, unfortunately, Georgia drivers, many of them don't know how to drive. And Uh, They're very accident-prone highways here. Lots and lots of people travel through Georgia. And and finally, North Carolina is number 10 overall in population. So the number 9 and 10 states in population order are number 4 and 5 in fatal car wrecks. But also think about this for a minute. If you're up north and you're wanting to go to Florida, you drive through North Carolina, you Mm -hmm. drive through Georgia.
1: Yep, if you're coming from and, New York, New Jersey, right, you're uh-huh. going through North Carolina,
0: and the number one roadway in Georgia, the number one is is I'll tell you number one and number two for fatal car wrecks. Number one is I twenty, hmm. which is That's an interstate, east to interstate, right, which is east to west. So you think about that for a second. You know, it, it almost contradicts what the other statistics was, right? But then I seventy five is the second most, um, the second roadway with most fatalities here in georgia so going east to west that roadway i-20 has the most fatal car wrecks every year i-75 that goes north to south has the second most fatal. i car
1: wonder wrecks. if it's because i-20 isn't as heavily traveled there's not as much traffic on i-20 in a lot of places i mean i've taken i-20 and gone towards augusta it's wide open yeah and maybe people just treat it like an autobahn and they just fly That's it. Yeah, no, because it be, is right you know it's opposite of i-85 or some of these other big roadways in atlanta
0: and another argument could be too there are more exits off of i-20 and shorter spans of distance between those exits Hmm. and merge lanes are the number one lane where car wrecks occur
1: i always want to know why why is that why is that well because there there are two reasons one
0: people that are in the first lane of traffic don't move to their left as other people are merging and people that are merging sometimes don't accelerate to a proper speed to be able to merge. And they'll move in front of a car going slower than that car may be, and that causes a collision. Or they may do, go too fast and wind up rearing the car themselves as they try to merge on the lane or not even look and make sure the lane's clear. Um, now, in 2020, you know, I, I mentioned before, Georgia had a total of 1,407 fatal car wrecks. That means a car wreck with a fatality, but the actual number of fatalities was 1,615 people in 2020. That is the second most uh, since 2007. In 2007, we had 16,041. So, um, you know, even though the roads are less traveled during COVID, that's the second highest fatality number we've had since 2007. And I go back to what you just said the Department of Highway Safety here in Georgia is working under the assumption that people feel like speed, um, because of the roads being less populated, they can go faster. And speed, you've probably heard the phrase, speed kills. Sure. People lose control. People fly up behind another car mm-hmm. not realizing how slow they're going, or someone changes lanes in front of a car not realizing it's going 100 miles per hour, as opposed to the posted 70 miles per hour. And those are the kind of things that lead to more fatality wrecks. Um, You know, in 2019, we only had 1,491 fatalities. In 2018, we had
1: 994.
0: Wow. So it's gone up. Mm -hmm. You know, almost doubled, not quite, but almost doubled between 2018 number to the 2020 number. With less people on the road. With less people on the
1: road. Wow. Yeah. That's an interesting interesting statistic You know, and, and
0: add into that people working from home. Well, that is awful.
1: Is there a statistic that shows how many accidents happen a day in the U.S.?
0: Yeah, there is, and this isn't isn't just fatal wrecks. This is any wreck in general. So, the current statistic from February of 2021 shows that there's an average, an average of sixteen thousand four hundred thirty eight car wrecks a day in the U.S. <laughs> wow. Sixteen thousand four hundred thirty eight car wrecks a day. Wow. Now, that's only the reported car wrecks think about the number of bumper scuffs and bumper taps and uh, car wrecks that occur in parking lots at malls grocery stores any number of things or you know somebody has a car wreck they rear-end somebody and the guy they rear-ended has a warrant for their arrest the last thing they want to do is call the police so everybody takes off in a different direction and nobody ever knows about that car wreck so 16,438 car wrecks a day
1: Okay, well, Mr. T- statistics, uh, tell me what city has the most car crashes.
0: I'm glad you asked that. I know you're going to have is, it. Yeah, this is crazy. I would have thought, you know, when you when you go back and talk about the, the states with the most car wrecks, Texas, uh, California, and Florida, I was thinking, okay, it's got to be somewhere there. Can I guess? Yeah, go
1: ahead. Hmm. Okay, so Texas has the most... I'm thinking of a big city in Texas.
0: Texas has the most fatal car wrecks. The next is California. Right. And the next is Florida.
1: Right. So, so you're asking, why can't what I just take an obvious guess and say Dallas?
0: Now, this statistic is based on the number of people in the city and the percentage of those people that have had car wrecks. Okay. If you look at it that way, so you well, I was Dallas. taking
1: a, a very educated guess based on the state that has the most. Well.
0: Uh, again, this this is going to be on jeopardy at some can point. Can I say
1: Atlanta as my second? One or the other, yeah. Dallas or Atlanta?
0: Or or this would be uh the TV show who wants to be a millionaire. Okay. This could be the million dollar question. Well, you're going to be
1: my backup. Cuz I don't, I don't, don't know mean. that anybody would have. This. Okay. You can phone All right, every, so I, then I it, based on what you said it's I didn't guess right.
0: Johns Island, South Carolina. What? you never heard of it, right? No. I've never heard of it either. Johns Island, South Carolina, apparently 21.6% of people, drivers that live in Johns Island have had an at-fault accident on their That's record. That's not
1: something to laugh about, but what are these people doing?
0: I don't know. 21.6%
1: don't know.
0: of people that have, live there have had an at-fault where they caused an at-fault wow. wreck. And the population, there's only 21,500 people. Okay. (laughs) Think about that. I'm going to look this up later. So stay off the roads in St. John's, or not St. John's, in John's Island, South Carolina. Stay off the roads. If you have a family member or friend or someone you know that lives in John's Island, don't go visit them.
1: Or beef up their
0: insurance. Ask them to come visit you. Never drive
1: there. You got the best coverage for them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the pandemic effects on car insurance. Speaking of Car insurance. What is happening with personal injury claims now that is different from before March of 2020?
0: I'm going to talk about in general terms first, and I'm going to talk about some lawsuits that are, that are going on currently. So, with insurance companies, the desire to settle cases um, has kind of waned. A good way to put it, in the sense that the insurance company knows full well that courts are closed. So, as an attorney, if if an insurance company does not pay a fair value on a claim or offer a fair value, the the reasonable value of the claim, naturally you file suit. You have two choices. You can settle it for far less money than the case is worth, or you can file suit. I always encourage clients, if they're not paying the full value of your claim, we're filing suit. In the past, when you filed suit, then the courts were opened. You didn't have to worry about the pandemic. You didn't have to worry about delays. You didn't have to worry about the length of time that it was going to take to eventually get to a trial. With the courts being closed for a total of 122 days now in Georgia, it used to take on average about two years, on average statewide, about two years between filing suit and going to trial. Now, we can only assume that the 122 days that the courts were closed down and personal injury trials have still not started back up and may not even start till January or February of next year, you can potentially add another either year to two years on top of that two-year window. So until the courts kind of clean this log jam, it could be three or four years before cases eventually go to trial, just languishing in litigation with nothing happening. Something's going to have to happen to clean that log jam up, adding new judges, uh, some sort of modification to how trials are going to be conducted, uh, court-ordered mediations, or some way to clean the dockets so cases can pick back up again. So in Georgia, we've seen that delay. We've seen that stall. We've seen insurance companies um, sit on money and earn interest on money that's sitting in their bank account drawing interest as opposed to paying a claim. You know, if you have someone who's unfortunately killed in a car wreck and there's, say, $100,000 in liability coverage, The insurance company can look at that one of two ways. We can do the right thing, and we can go ahead and tender and pay our full $100,000 for this grieving family that's lost mom or dad or their child. Or we can sit back, keep that $100,000 in our bank account, draw interest on it for another three, four years, maybe even longer, and then pay it before it goes to trial.
1: That's heartbreaking for the families. Oh, and
0: absolutely it is.
1: So what if you used a fatality as an example, but let's just say it was me and I get in a car accident and I'm out of work because sure. that car accident really messed up my back or broke my leg uh-huh. and they won't pay.
0: And throw in that you've had surgery of that leg. Right, right, I'm, because I've, I've got the all these medical injury. bills,
1: I'm, I've am i been out of work, right. And so I pursue a claim, even just to tender limits on my own policy. Yeah.
0: And and don't think that that hospital is going to wait for you to get that money, to start knocking on your door and going, hey, you got this bill out here. Where, where's the money? Yeah,
1: medical and bills and turn can it be over to a collections intimidating. company
0: and affecting your credit score and all those things that can happen if the bill sits out there unpaid for an extended period of time. So, you know, unfortunately, times are, are very difficult and some people are likely forced into settling. Uh, for a number that normally would not be uh, an appropriate number for their case just because they can't wait. And insurance companies can prey on that misfortune and basically use it against someone to satisfy a claim for far less than what the real value would be or should be. Uh, but I reference lawsuits. There have been lawsuits filed about insurance rates because I don't want to get too far off topic. Okay, This was a question about rates. Um, insurance companies during the pandemic you know, initially, they talked about, well, we're going to refund some money. We're going to um, you know, cut our, our prices. In fact, discounts varied from $50 to $100, which was a one-time refund that a company called Acuity gave to their insureds. Uh, there was a 25% reduction in bills from March until May with State Farm. Uh, 15% credit that Geico gave to their customers. So different companies had different ways of, oh, we're going to you know, give you a kickback. Less cars on the road. You're not driving to work. You're working from home. So we'll give you some of this money back and save you money on your premiums. Uh, but in reality, as soon as that window of time was over or that very limited discount was over, well, they went back to where the rates would normally be. In some cases, they increased them above what they had been prior to the pandemic. So some states have now had class action lawsuits filed. In fact, in Nevada, um, they filed suit against 10 of the major auto insurance companies just, uh, I think, Tuesday of last week or maybe the week before, contending that the companies were charging excessive insurance premiums during the pandemic. Um, In fact, the, the specific companies were State Farm, USAA, GEICO, Acuity, Liberty Mutual, Farmers, Progressive, Travelers, Nationwide, and Allstate. I refer to those as the big boys. Right. Those are the big players in in the The insurance industry. Right. Sure. And virtually every one of them, there's not many that aren't on that list that would fall into that big hitter category. They're all being sued, 10 of them, in a class action lawsuit for raising their rates during the pandemic. Again, we go back to Georgia not regulating what insurance companies do. So clearly, Georgia's not on the list of states that are filing suit, mm-hmm. but other states have done the same thing. There's they're they file lawsuits in New York. Uh, I believe Michigan is one of those states. So many states have now stepped in on behalf of their citizens to try and regulate and control what insurance companies have done. And if you look at the profits for insurance companies during the pandemic, uh, there's been a record turn on on uh, the profits. Um, So you you can't, out of one side of your mouth, say, well, we're going to give you discounts. We're going to give you kickbacks. You know, there are less cars on the road, less likelihood of a car wreck. And then out of the other side of your mouth, say, well, we're going to raise your rates, too, as soon as this little period of a discount's done.
1: Okay. I remember when I got my insurance, and it's just a coincidence that my ex-husband is my insurance agent, and he based my rates on my credit score. I had never heard of that before. I thought it was in, in more age and, and where I live. Sometimes it's very zip code. But he said it was on my credit score.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the crazy things about insurance companies and, and determining rates. So it's all about risk. The higher your risk is as a driver, the higher your rates typically be. I use the example of a 16-year-old male driver in a convertible, souped-up sports car. Doesn't matter what it is. And then you put a 40- or 45-year-old man or woman in a minivan who's never had a ticket, never had a car wreck, never had any claim whatsoever on their history, and you go to ensure that that middle-aged person on their minivan compared to that 16-year-old boy, and boys' rates are always higher than girls, in that convertible sports car, I guarantee you the rates for that kid are going to be three times what the rates would be for that middle-aged mom or dad that's not had a car wreck. But credit is one of the factors they look to as far as risk is concerned. Uh, In their mind, again, talking about insurance companies, they feel as though credit can predict the likelihood that you'll have a claim, meaning that if you have bad credit, well, you're going to be more likely than not to present a claim against your insurance company. So some states have actually banned that practice. It is illegal in California, Hawaii, Massachusetts, and Michigan to determine your rates based on your credit
1: history. Oh, okay, which is
0: great. I think it should be everywhere. I mean, think about this: if if you are a person who's worked, you know, for ten years of your life, you're in your mid thirties maybe, and you um, unfortunately you lose your job uh, because of some you know other injury or your company's downsized and your company goes bankrupt that you work for and your spouse is out of work, she, he or she's, um, you know, same thing, they've had something going on with their work, and you fall on hard times. We all, through the course of our lives, are going to have some period of time that's difficult. And so as a result of that, a couple of bills get behind, uh, your credit score gets affected, and your insurance company just so happens it's time to renew your policy, and they see this negative mark on your credit score and use that as as a justification for potentially doubling your rates. That's ridiculous. Yeah. No, it is. Absolutely. It's sad it that is. they do it, but they can.
1: So in a prior podcast, you talked and you went into detail about all the different types of coverage, but I know you've got some you want to touch on today, correct?
0: Yeah. I want to talk about how your, your rates can be affected based on the kinds of coverage you pick and the limits that you pick. So as an example, minimum coverage here in Georgia, and I keep using Georgia because that's where we are, minimum coverage here is 25,000 per person, 50,000 per occurrence. Every state has its own minimum. Most states are twenty-five, fifty. 50, some are 5,100, some are less than that, 10,000 per person, 20,000 per occurrence. Uh, some states are no fault states, and I'm not gonna get into that, but anyway, so your coverage selection. If I go to an insurance agent and I only wanna purchase Minimum coverage. That's it. I want liability of $25,000 per person, $50,000 per occurrence, and nothing more. I'm going to see a minimal rate. On the other hand, if I bump that up to $50,000 per person, $100,000 per occurrence, or 100 dollars dollars or $250,000, $500,000, and I add collision, and I add comprehensive, and I add uninsured, and underinsured, and towing, and those kinds of things, well, obviously your rates are going to go up. However, there are parts of that that are essential, and I I say this all the time. I strongly encourage people to at least have UM, uninsured motorist, which comes hand-in-hand with UIM, which is underinsured motorist. Statistically, there are 12.7%, I think it is, of Georgia drivers, again Georgia, that have no insurance at all. So with that being said, if you have no UM coverage and you get hit by one of those uninsured drivers, you have no recourse for your claim except for going after that person. And someone who doesn't insure their car, there's a pretty good chance they're not going to have any assets to pay any kind of verdict against them anyway. So your coverage selection.
1: (laughs) I know, I'm just sitting here nodding Uh, my head uh, like, yes, it's all very valuable information. It It makes me want to go look at my policy. Um, All right, but I know your deductible, it also factors into this. Yeah, that's
0: a good point too. So deductibles, you can pick your deductible. Obviously, the lower your deductible is, generally the higher the rate is. The higher the deductible, the lower the rate. So if I have a $250 deductible, well, I'm going to see a certain amount for and my premiums for that deductible. If I bump that deductible up to $1,000, my rates are going to be a little bit lower because if an incident occurs, I'm going to be paying $1,000, the first $1,000 out of my pocket. So say, for example, it's a collision claim. And we've talked about collision before. Collision is if your car is parked on the roadway overnight, uh, nobody's in the car, you're in bed asleep, and you wake up the next morning and somebody hit your car and left. Uh, and you've got severe damage, or you're in a parking lot, somebody hits it. That's a collision claim. So if your collision deductible is $250, well, your rate for that part of your policy is going to be a little bit higher. If you have your deductible raised to $1,000, and let's say it's $900 of damage done to your car, well, the insurance company is not going to pay a penny of that because it's below your deductible. Whereas if your deductible is 250, you're only going to write a check for 250. They're going to pick up the balance to pay that full $900.
1: Well, here's another question. What about car insurance history? What if I'm the best driver ever? I've never had a ticket or a wreck. Should that play into it?
0: Yes, it, it, it can, but, but they're also, and I'm not talking necessarily completely about that. When you talk about coverage history or car insurance history, I want to talk more about the first time ever buying insurance. If I am 16 years old and I've got my license and I am personally personally purchasing my own insurance, I'm going to see an extremely high rate like I talked about. Sure, I'm, I'm well, that kid. makes perfect. Well, But I guess if I'm just out of college, me. I'm 22, 23 years old, 24 years old, mom and dad are not going to insure me anymore. I've got to go get my own policy. I've never had a car insurance history uh, where I've paid premiums. Then my rates going to be a little bit higher because I'm considered to be a little bit greater risk. Or if I'm later in in age, I'm in my forties. I've never driven before, and for some reason I decided, yeah, I'm going to finally get my car car license and and buy a car and and I uh, driver's license and I get a car. I'm going to see high rates because I have no history of driving. Another issue is coverage gaps. If I had car insurance and for some reason financially I stopped paying it and my insurance canceled. And by the grace of God, I thankfully never had a wreck or never had a claim, and I went for six months with no insurance at all, and then I go to pick insurance back up again, they're going to see that I went a window of time without any insurance. And that's going to affect the amount of money I'm going to have to pay in my rates because, again, I'm a risk at that point.
1: Hmm. Well, okay. Okay. No, I get it. I was just going to ask a question, but I don't know if it's super relevant. So here's an example. Let's say I'm, you know, me over here, Lita, I have my own car, have my own insurance, and then I meet you, we buy a car, now you're insuring it. Sure. Okay. But they'll look
0: at my history as an insurance right, policy Right, but then or. I go
1: back... Now, now, right. Let's say we have a car together, but it's on your policy, okay. so I'm not on it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now I go back and I say, no, uh, I need a minivan because I got a zillion kids over here. I'm going to put it in my name. So I go back to having my own insurance. Mm-hmm. So, so I just had a big gap.
0: No, what? That's not the gap I'm talking about. The gap okay. I'm talking about is if your insurance canceled. Okay. I have a car. I yeah. uh, I'm in my 20s and I, I'm struggling financially. COVID made my job you know, lay me off. I'm not had an income and I got to figure out somehow, some way to make my monthly expenses. Well, if I don't pay my car insurance, eh, I'm taking a risk if I have a car wreck, but man, I can save some money and I can put that money into food. And so I go three, four, five, six months with no car insurance at all. And again, by the grace of God, thankfully I have no car wreck, but finally I get some money back in and and I'm thinking, man, I got to go back and put the insurance on my car again. When they see that I've gone for a period of time not insuring my car and I continued to drive, that's what puts me that's in that risk category. That's the gap. Category. The
1: coverage gap. That's okay. The gap well, I'm I hope about. that that clarified because I was hearing you and yeah. I thought I was fully understanding what you were saying, and then clearly I wasn't. So.
0: Right. Or if you just stop paying. Right. Okay. Then you're looked at as a, a risk, an extreme risk.
1: Gotcha. Coverage gap. All right. Are there any other factors that can affect your car insurance rates that we have not covered?
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to kind of wrap this up because uh, there's so many other things we could talk about. But, you know, in just general headings, think about your driving record. You know, if you've had tickets for speeding, if you've had uh, you know, a ticket for running a red light, any number of things, well, that usually stays with you for about three to five years. And that is going to be on your driving record. That will also affect your rate. I would have thought longer usually about three to five years. That's about average. Um, at fault wrecks, not, not wrecks where you weren't at fault, but wrecks where you were at fault. That's where, again, your risk factors go up. Um, the worst thing would be a DUI, a DWI where you've been convicted of driving under the influence. Um, that is, those stay longer. Those stay longer. Yeah, those, yeah. those generally stay a lot longer. Yeah, you know, I've heard some say seven years. That's what I, some I haven't had, 10 had one, years. but I have heard that it was yeah, seven. But I'm because, talking about a ticket. When I yeah, say three to five sure. years, I'm talking about you know, speeding or running a red light, stops on, those kind of things. But if you uh, are a what we refer to as a risky driver, your rates are going to be affected because of your driving history, your, your um, prior citations, prior wrecks. Uh, the type of car you drive. I kind of mentioned that earlier. If yeah. I'm driving a a Porsche uh, Boxster or a Lamborghini or a Bugatti or you know go as extreme as you want to, um, and I want to ensure my my high end car, I'm going to see a much higher rate than if I'm just in a, a very small sedan that's uh, you know very affordable low end car. I'm on a mom minivan. Okay, a mom minivan. You know, something, right. (laughs) Where you just assume there's a lot of relative
1: safety right there. You don't
0: see many drag races between (laughs) a mom minivan and a Maserati or something like
1: that. No, no, you don't.
0: All right, age and driving experience. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, so the older you are with a Mm -hmm. clean driving history, you're going to see much, much lower rates. Usually that 22 years of age, you know, some companies it's maybe around 20 years old, uh, you're going to see the fact that you're still considered to be a new driver but also you're still in that risky driver category most speeding tickets are for younger people newer drivers or kids that are you know wanting to race their buddy or are kind of ignoring the law and and going 55 instead of 25 um so as you age you'll see your rates go down as long as your your driving record stays clean and the number of years you've been able to drive with a clean history That's going to make your rates a lot lower and then another one i want to talk about is your zip code
1: yes i brought that up
0: your zip code
1: didn't i say that earlier like Uh, i think it's you know doesn't isn't that one of the things oh i said um because he he based mine on my credit and i thought it was more age and zip
0: code so zip code let's talk about that briefly the zip code they look at the crime statistics and if you're in a zip code where car break-ins uh, are you know, slash tires, vandalism. If that's an extremely high crime rate in the area where you live, your zip code, your rates are going to be higher than someone who's not in an area where carjackings, uh, where vandalism, tires being slashed, where uh, you know car break-ins are very, very low, very minimal. Your rates are not going to be high because it's a less risky zip code than that high risk zip code. You know, inner cities, you see a very high rate for most people who have cars, uh, especially in areas where they're not in a parking deck or an area where it's, um, you know, they'll even ask where you live and they'll know whether or not your apartment complex, your condo, your townhouse, your penthouse, if it's a uh, guarded, gated parking lot, you're not going to be necessarily grouped in that person who is in a high crime rate area who has to park in their driveway or on the street. But, yeah, your zip code can affect the rate you pay for your car insurance. Um, you know, other things are if you own a home, you're considered to be more responsible. Again, craziness, but they'll look at those things.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, marital status. Married people tend to be better drivers than non-married people. That's interesting. It is. Yeah. Statistically, That's- you can bear that out. Sure. Education. Okay. The higher Mm -hmm. the education, generally. I'm just
1: nodding my head. Yes, that makes sense. Generally. Okay.
0: Occupation. Certain occupations are higher risk drivers than others. Again, I know it sounds crazy, but these are all borne out in insurance statistics and things they look to in determining your rate. And the final one's gender. I think you already know the answer, but what gender (laughs) you think typically pays a higher rate? Male. Yes. Yes. But people always complain about female drivers. Yeah, You've probably heard that phrase before. No. I personally don't, but you've probably heard Out of it. the
1: two of us, I'm the best driver. Okay, whatever.
0: But anyway, so yes, your gender is also huh. an effect on what your rate will be.
1: Well, extremely interesting. I feel like I've learned a ton. I'm literally, and I know this is a podcast, so our listeners can't see me, but I'm just sitting here nodding, yes, yeah, oh, it makes perfect sense. So I hope you guys listening got as much out of this as I have. Um, Derek, we're gonna, before we wrap up, I want you to tell all of our listeners, how can they find you? How can they contact you if they have a question or if they need you, uh, because they've had a car wreck, they've had a personal injury, uh, to themselves and they need some assistance.
0: Contact me. That's the answer. Contact me. Any number of ways. We'll start with the website. It's Derek, D-E-R-E-K. The letter M as in Matthew, Hayes, H-A-Y-S, so DerekMHayes.com. That's my website. On the website, you'll see a chat feature. You can chat with me directly there. You'll also see an area where you can submit, submit an email with uh, some basic facts about a potential claim. I'll be the one to respond. I am the one that will call you or respond to your email, reach back out to you if you've sent me the information. Uh, There's also a chat feature too regarding the podcast uh, where you can submit your question. You could submit a topic that we can potentially talk about in another show later on, but definitely go to the website. You can see everything you need to see there. You can also go to social media. Uh, My Facebook page is the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. I have Twitter Law Office of Derek M. Hayes and Instagram Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. My phone numbers are 404-777-HURT or 678-225-0970 and as always the initial consultation is completely free does not obligate you for anything. I did have a question on a side note. I had someone I spoke to actually just today about a new claim, and one of the questions they asked from the very beginning was, is this confidential? When I speak to you or anything I tell you, is it just between you and me? The answer is yes. When I get those calls at the office, it's completely confidential. Absolutely. So it's a free confidential consultation and we'll go through the facts of your potential case. And if I can help you, I'll be glad to to jump in and get involved for you.
1: Thank you so much for joining us on Injury Insider with Derek Hayes, presented by Status Home Design and the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. Don't forget that you can enjoy any of our episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. This program is also available on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, for Derek Hayes, I'm Lita Brooks, and you've been listening to Injury Insider on Business Radio X.